Father, this evening we just come to you. At your feet we rest all our burdens because you care for us, Lord. We exalt your name and we exalt your word. We exalt your word above everything else, Lord. We exalt your word. Now, Father, I pray as we hear your word, we set aside everything else that concerns us. And our hearts, our minds will be open to your word because your word is life. So many in the body of Christ who is not well, I speak healing. I speak your word. You said in your word, I send forth my word and heal you of your infirmities. Touch, Lord, everyone. So many, Lord. Touch each one. By faith, we enter into your rest. And by faith, we receive your word. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for the word? How do you get ready for the word? In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, scripture says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Meaning your mind also has a waist belt, okay? Tighten it. Okay, that's a typical Hebrew expression because they wore this loose flowing gowns. If they wanted to move fast or do something, they tightened and tucked it in. So your mind also might be wandering all around after a long day. Scripture says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Every time, ultimate revelation, but every time we come to the ministry of the word, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so gird up your loins of your mind and listen. And we'll continue our study on truth. Remember the five things connected with truth. Remember, God is the God of truth. Shall I ask you the reference? Isaiah 65, well, Pastor Vijay, not here. <laughs> I know you're a computer. Isaiah 65, verse 16. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is John 14 and verse 6. And the spirit is called the spirit of truth. That is John 16 and verse 13. And the word is called the word of truth. That is John 17 and verse 17, and the church is called the pillar and the foundation of truth. That is 1 Timothy in chapter 3, verse 15. So get these five together, okay? God, the Son, the Spirit, the Word, and the church is all truth. And our major issue, like we've been looking at for the past few weeks, all of us struggle in our growth, sanctification as Priyanka prayed in our getting separated from the world and separated unto God. The sanctification work with Christ and the word and the spirit has to do, is got to do with truth and the nature of truth. Truth is absolute. It is not relative. It is not a matter of opinion. You need to know what truth is and what truth is not. Truth is absolute. It is not relative. It is not open to discussion. You can discuss, but it doesn't change the nature of truth. It is not a matter of opinion. It is not subject to interpretation. You can have your own various interpretations, but truth remains the same. It is not a personal preference. 
It is a settled fact. It does not change with time. It does not move with the latest trend. It does not recognize different cultures or circumstances. It is absolute. You cannot say, I am Indian, so for me, truth is like that. Peter cannot say, but I am from Nigeria, truth is for me. No, it is not. It is not affected by culture, time, circumstance, the latest fad, trend, nothing. It is absolute. So what is truth? Truth is a sovereign choice, a declaration or judgment or command of God regarding any subject, any topic. It is sovereign. It's a judgment of God. This is what it is connected with anything and therefore it is absolute. It does not change. And we saw from Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan woman, God seeks those who seek truth. And those who seek truth, God, they also seek and receive the love of truth. In Proverbs 23, 23, another verse we looked at, Solomon says, buy truth. And he also says, do not sell it. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Okay, what do we need to buy? Four things. Buy truth, that is in Hindi, Satya. Buy wisdom, that is Gyan. Buy instruction, which is Anusasan. And you buy understanding, which is Samaj. I'm, pre- I'm preparing for gang talk, okay? Not for you. <laughs> okay, we need to buy these things and not sell it. What does it mean? It means if you have to buy something, it costs. You have to be willing to pay a price. You have to be willing to pay a price. Nobody who is not willing to pay the price can get these things. But the question is, how do I buy it? Where do I start? What is the price I'm willing to pay? Once upon a time from history, the biblical history, actual true history, a young man called Solomon ascended the throne of Israel. And when he became king, God visited him and he had, was given a wish and he had a prayer. In 1 Kings 3, 5, God asked this question to this young man. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said, ask, what shall I give you? And we also wonder, why doesn't God appear in a dream and ask us these questions, right? He never seems to be asking this question. But to this young man, God asks this question, ask, what shall I give you? So young man is a young king sitting in the throne of Israel. And this was his prayer. This was his answer. Yeah. Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth. Okay, that's not the message. In righteousness, in, see, if I, if I do not know truth, then righteousness and uprightness and all is impossible. It's all connected with truth. Okay? You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Okay? He un- incredibly humble. I'm just a little child. I don't know even how to go out and come in. Okay? Then, 
Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people. Too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. That I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Yes. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, have asked nor asked for riches for yourself, nor asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for understanding to discern justice. Yes. Behold, I have done according to your words. I have given you a wise and an understanding heart. So there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any rise like you. Okay, You see, this was his request. And what we want to look at it is that unless God grants okay, understanding, we cannot know or see. Unless God grants, that's what scripture is talking about, buying truth, buying wisdom, buying instruction, buying understanding, unless God grants, and God doesn't grant it. You look through the word of God, God hardly grants it to people. He grants it to very few. Because very few are willing to pay the price. Very few. Listen to what 2 Timothy 3, 7, we saw that on Sunday. Always learning. And yet, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Always learning. They are learning. They are putting in hours. They are reading texts. They are meditating, memorizing, asking, searching. But they are never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Because unless God grants, it is not possible. The question is, are you and me, we willing to pay the price to receive the knowledge of truth? Or wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And the major struggle people have, every one of us have, with understanding the word of God, is got to do with understanding. Major problem with understanding God's word is got to do with understanding. Because before you and I can understand, generally in the world or with the word of God, we need instruction. Instruction. Instruction means being taught. It also means being corrected. That is where humility comes. You have to be taught. You have to be willing to be corrected. We know from John 1.17, law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We also know from both from James and Peter, from the scripture, from the word of God, God gives grace to whom? Only to the? Humble. Now the question is, why do I need grace? Why do I need grace? Grace and truth came through Jesus. Listen for a minute. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now we look at it, we don't understand unless you give illustrations like Jesus and the apostles gave. Okay? Let's say. Bread and butter was given. Got it? Okay? I got jam and butter, sabji and roti. Now let me tell you, what was jam given for? What is um, what is jam given to eat the butter? What is sabji given to eat the roti? What is grace given to keep the truth? 
Okay? If there is no need for truth, we don't experience the grace of God. Get that very clear. But grace is given to whom? To those who are humble. Can I have one light here maybe? And maybe I need more light than you. No? So you need to realize, I think this one works. Just, just check this one out. None of the lights work? Okay. It's fine, it's fine, I'll manage. I'll turn it a little, okay. Okay. Unless you are humble, unless you are humble, you cannot be taught. And most of the people in the world, let's leave the church aside, go through life without achieving success, not because they are not taught, but because they are not humble to receive the instruction. And receive correction. Because along with instruction, you need to be corrected. Understand a natural fact about everybody. Every person arrives in life knowing nothing. Knowing nothing. And the only way he or she can learn anything is to learn from those who have something. And if you need wisdom, you need to learn from those who have wisdom. From those who have the word of God. Those who have the experience of knowing and walking with God. Noble men and women in God's sight are those with ready minds for receiving instruction. In the word of God. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. I don't know whether it will work. They were. This is talking about people in Thessalonica. In Berea. More fair minded than those in Thessalonica. Or noble minded. In that they received the word of God with all readiness. And searched scriptures daily. To find out whether those things were so. So God is talking here about people. Who really really can receive the instruction of God. Now. Now here I see everybody sitting, listening, writing. But that is irrelevant when you go back home on a daily basis if you don't search scriptures. If you don't regularly, God doesn't see you and me studying scriptures and searching for truth. He will never open my eyes. Never open my eyes. You can learn any subject in the world with your understanding, with your skills, but you can never understand scripture unless God shows it to us. That's the reason believers really struggle with sanctification. Okay, There are two kinds of fools in the world according to God's word. One is the bold fool and the other is uh, the reserved fool. The bold fool does not receive instruction. They are openly rebellious. The research fool are very polite because of upbringing. But they are very passively rebellious. They can sit like this. They can sit like this. They cannot. But when they go back home, they will not receive anything that was taught. The bold ones I have seen many times on a Sunday morning, they come. They hear two minutes, five minutes, and they walk out. 
I don't care and I'm not ready to receive it. That's fine. That's a bold fool. Passive fools will sit. Okay, they will sit. But they also, reaction is the same. They will not accept the instruction. That's why we are talking about. That's why Jesus says his word of God is precious. You have to be willing to buy it. Understanding can come only through instruction. And instruction can come only through correction. And most people take the way of king. When God tries to correct, where is your brother? He says, am I my brother's keeper? Okay, they answer a question with a question because they don't like correction. And their end is like end of Cain. Cain's end is written in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, far away. If you read the rest of chapter 4, he built cities, he did all great things in the eyes of the world, but he was going further and further away from God because he refused to be corrected. And his end and his generation's end, we know when Noah's flood came, entire generation of Cain was destroyed. Everybody was destroyed. Why? If you look at it, why? Because their forefather refused to receive instruction, a simple thing. Okay? So please remember this. You look at this word which you hold in your hand. This is the source for all wisdom. And knowledge and truth. Everything in this. Objective truth. But if the Bible is locked up, what will I do? What will I do? Outside this, there is no access to actual truth. The living truth. The living wisdom. The living knowledge. But if it is locked up, what will I do? What will you do? In Psalm 119 and verse 18, David, Solomon's father, David's prayer is, Lord, open my eyes that I might see the wondrous things from your law. He's got the law before him, five books. We have 66, he has five books. And he says, Lord, open my eyes. Otherwise, I will not see. Open my eyes. Understand the pictures given in the New Testament. In Luke 24 and verse 16, scripture says after the resurrection, when the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and Jesus was walking with them, scripture says their eyes were restrained that they did not know him. They did not know him. Now this is even more stunning. Just imagine. Yeah, Lata here and Hepzibah here and we three are walking, they're walking on the road and I'm walking with them and I have the power to restrain their eyes. They don't recognize who I am, though they have known me for 10 years. Jesus is walking with them. These are his disciples. He restrained their eyes. They did not know who he was. If that is possible with the physical person of Jesus Christ, how much more with the written word? Written word. In Luke 24 and verse 45 concerning the same set of disciples, scripture says, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He opened it. 
Please understand this. That is why Solomon is saying, unless we are willing to pay the price, we will not understand. And if we don't understand truth, wisdom, knowledge, where do we go? What is life all about? That's why Jesus says, by wisdom. And you know, when Jesus came in the flesh as a little boy, little baby, and as he grew, Jesus bought wisdom. He paid a price to acquire wisdom. Though he was the word of God, he emptied himself of all his glory, came in this body, and he paid the price, and he bought wisdom. So when we see him first in the temple at the age of 12, in Luke 2 and verse 47, all who heard him were astonished at his understanding. Now these are scholars, scribes and priests, Sitting in the temple. They were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And the question is, how did he buy this wisdom? The answer is given, we know very well, in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 5 of his pattern of behavior as a child. It says, the Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. He was not rebellious. He said there are two kinds of fools. Who will never receive the understanding, the knowledge, the wisdom, the truth of God. Not of the world. What's happening in schools, colleges, universities. What is of God? Those who are bold, active rebels and passive rebels. But he says, I was not rebellious. So he had the understanding. That is why truth is expensive. Listen to it again. I said, you know, you cannot have, have understanding unless you have instruction. And here you will see he receives instruction every day. And then look, look at the next things written about him in Luke chapter 2. Okay? Yeah. Let's go. They did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Who is they? Mary and Joseph. Joseph and Mary. They said, how could you do this to us? How You were lost. He said... Why are you looking for me? Do, not, do you not know that I should be at my father's business? Okay. Now look, what did scripture say? They did not understand what you were saying. They didn't understand. They are his parents. They did not understand what he was saying. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Though he had a set of parents who did not have understanding, wisdom, knowledge, truth, like he had, scripture says he was subject to them, therefore he could continuously receive instruction. Okay. Verse 52. Therefore he increased in wisdom. You see he's growing in wisdom. You have to connect all this. Here is a 12-year-old boy in the temple with incredible understanding. And they are amazed. Reason? Morning by morning you awoke in me and did not have a rebellious spirit. I am somebody who is humble to receive instruction, knowledge and correction. Knowledge and correction. Then his parents asked this question. They did not he, they did not understand his answer. Yet he goes and he is subject to them because humility is a precursor to instruction. If you are not humble, you can never be taught. And scripture says, he grew. He increased in wisdom. Did you see that? Humility always goes before instruction. And where there is no instruction, there is no growth. 
If I am not able to receive the instruction, I will only grow physically, I will not grow spiritually. Because growth requires change. And change is very difficult and very humbling. So Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You have to put away a lot of things. Lot of things if you want to grow. The question is, can we put away? Okay. So we need to realize, we need to buy certain things in life if you want to carry it on to eternity. There are a few things which you buy here, you will take with you when you go over there. That's storing of riches in heaven. It won't be left behind here. You carry it with your soul, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the truth in which you lived in. You carry it with you when you go. It is not left here. Everything else will be left here. But you have to be willing to pay the price. The book of Proverbs with 31 chapters is kind of the essence, if you want to know, essence of wisdom, knowledge, truth. And if you look at Proverbs chapter 1, Words 1 to 6 is what we call the purpose statement or mission statement. If you read it, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. What is the purpose of this book of Proverbs? To know wisdom and to know understanding. To perceive, to understand the words of understanding. Okay, that's the purpose statement. And then, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment and equity. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Then, a wise man will hear. Wise man will hear. He will receive instruction. And increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. Remember, proverb and parables are similar. They're like dark sayings. A parable is a proverb which is much longer. And Jesus always taught in parables and Solomon taught in proverbs. Two of the wisest men who walked on earth. And God says, the purpose of this is so that we acquire these things. But the problem is, this first six verses of the first chapter of Proverbs is giving you the purpose, the mission statement. But the problem is, it is locked. And the key is in verse 7. And verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He says, if you do not have this, if you do not seek this, if you don't receive this, the rest is locked. Truth is locked from you. Truth is, and the fact of the matter is, truth is locked up from many, if not most Christians. Not because it is not available, but it is because they are not willing to pay the price. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, scripture says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What is understanding? You know, the nature of God. You know, the nature of God. In Proverbs 8 and verse 13, like we say, can you see the wind? 
How do you know there is wind? By the effects of the wind. Can you measure the fear of God in your life? Can you see? No. But can you measure? By its effects. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. How do you know the fear of the Lord? Because you are fighting this constantly in your life. Fighting. Why? Because you know God hates these things. You have now been given understanding of the Holy One and you are fighting these things. In Proverbs 16 and verse 6, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. When you see in your own personal life, our own person, this constant battle against evil and separating from evil, you know the fear of God is working in you. In Psalm 111 and verse 10, the psalmist says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commands, his praise endures forever. Did you see? They're all connected. If I don't have the fear of the Lord, I don't have wisdom. If I don't have wisdom, I don't understand his commands. Remember in Jesus saying, those who have my commands, and how do I have his commands? God says it all begins with one thing, the fear of God. In Psalm 112 and verse 1, praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his command. You see how it's both connected? The man who fears the Lord also rejoices in the commandments of God. It's not a burden for him. Now listen to what the Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. Yeah. Hebrews 1? Yeah. That lose it. But to the Son, that is God the Father says to the Son, He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Why? You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Both has to be there. Jesus loved righteousness and hated evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. That's what made Jesus different. The problem is that natural man has no fear of God. It's no fear of God. There's no fear of God. Psalm 36 and verse 1, scripture says, An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. That's a natural man. Do you see Abraham, the 99-year-old man, going on to 100 Moving with his pregnant wife Sarah to Gerar. And he's afraid. And he tells Sarah again a second time. They're the king over there. People ask you, if you ask you who you are, say that you are my sister. And later when God in a dream chastens the king and the king asks the question. Do you know what Abraham's answer was? He says in Genesis, Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will kill me on account of my wife. 
Do you know why there is so much crime? All these days in India also it has talk about women coming out and talking about sexual abuse, men when they were... Why do you think these things happen? There's no fear of God. Why do you think people do the things they do and say the things they say and act the way they act simply because there is no fear of God? Fear of God. You see, incidentally, Abimelech, poor man, needed only one dream, one warning from God. Genesis 28, and Abimelech, early in the morning, called all his servants, told all these things in the hearing, and the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. One dream. God said, you touch that man's wife, that's a man's wife, you are and your household is in trouble. And he woke up and he called and told Abraham, what did you do? One dream. But do you remember? 500 years later, 10 plagues later, Pharaoh's heart is not changed. How evil multiplies? After 10 plagues, there is no fear of God in Egypt. In spite of the damage, the destruction and the deaths, he still takes his chariots and he still takes his army and goes after Israel because there is no fear of God. That's why we saw in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 14 where scripture says, Justice is turned back, righteousness stands far off, for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. All because what? Truth has fallen. Now we took a look at truth as a large package. But in this truth as a large package, you have to go and touch individual truths. If we stumble at the first step, we will stumble through life. Then thinking that we are wise when we are actually fools. And what is the first truth that we stumble at? That we don't ask of God, Lord, give me the fear of God. That's the first truth. But that is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of knowledge. The beginning of understanding. The first truth about truth, which falls in our street, is God says, you have no fear of God in your hearts. You see, the man in the world, okay, and often Christians too, boasts, is proud of three things. Either one of it, or, or two, or all three. One is proud of his wisdom, or is proud of his strength, or is proud of his riches, strength in terms of influence. Wisdom, strength, or wealth. If he has all three, then it's a gone case. In Jeremiah chapter 9, we know this verse 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. If he glories, a man glories, let him glory in that he understands and knows. God says, if you really want to boast, 
you really want to boast, boast in this. I understand God. But to understand God, there is one key that opens it all up. In the letter to Corinthians, this is exactly what Paul will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to this world, flesh, not many mighty, many noble are called. See, they are not called. Why are they not called? Because by their very nature, they won't receive the fear of God. They are not called. Yet, you know what? Everybody wants to be wise in this world. Everybody wants to be mighty in this world. Everybody wants to be rich in this world. Everybody wants to be noble in this world. That's why you're all studying, right? Yet, the very things we are aspiring for can keep us from knowing God. They are not wrong in itself, but they are very dangerous unless we know how to be humble before God. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world. Nobody wants to be foolish. To put to shame the wise, God has chosen the weak things of the world. To put to shame the things which are mighty. And verse 28 and 29. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. And you know how Paul ends that portion? With verse 30 and 31. You know what he says? Yeah. But of him you are in Christ. Jesus who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Where is Paul going back to? He's going back to what Jeremiah said. Now you see why truth has to be bought. Now let me ask you this rhetorical question. Who changed the wisdom of the world for the wisdom of Christ? Exchange. Who will exchange the strength of this world and become weak so that he can receive the strength of God? Who will exchange the riches of this world to receive the riches of Christ? You see, when Pastor Vijay did his doctorate in robotics, they called him wise. But when he left, his job to become a pastor, they call him a fool. That's why Proverbs 1.7 is the key. Because that key will open up everything. And that is what the natural man does not have. And that is what the carnal Christian, the worldly Christian also does not have. Listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. Very carnal Christian. Okay, They are believers. They are saved. But they have no understanding of God. Listen to what he says to them in 1 Corinthians 4, 8. You are already full. He says, I Paul am struggling to know God. You are satisfied. You are full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed I could wish you did reign. That we might also reign with you. Have you noticed the attitude of carnal Christian has never changed from there till today? They are absolutely satisfied with what they know of God. No interest at all. Verse 10, what does he say? We are fools for Christ's sake. But we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. Wow, he says, Corinthian church, you are wise. I am a fool, you are wise. <laughs> we are weak, but you are 
strong. You are distinguished. We are dishonored. So the natural man and the carnal Christian attitude towards God and his things are the same. Why do we look at all these to judge our own hearts? Because unless the word of God comes forth, it will not reveal who we really are. And who we really are will matter on that day, the day of judgment. And you will see both the carnal man, the natural man and the carnal Christian. The problem is they had no fear of God. Therefore, they had no real knowledge of God. The question is this. Do you want to go through life thinking you are wise? Rich and strong. And then in one moment of a moment, end upon the other side and realize you are fool, you are poor and you are weak. This is talks about two rich men. One a real rich man, another a parable. They were both rich. And they thought others were foolish. They were both strong. They must have thought others were weak. But when death came, one moment, the death came. The rich man realized he was poor. He realized he was weak. And he realized he was a fool. One moment earlier, or let's say one day earlier, here was Lazarus sitting at his gate asking for a drop of water. One hour later, here is the rich man sitting in hell and asking Lazarus for a drop of water. One moment changed destiny, eternity. One moment he was rich. This man he thought was poor. One moment later, he is poor and this man is rich. One moment he thought he was wise and this fellow is a fool. One moment later, he is wise and he is a fool. One moment earlier, he thought, I am strong. And he is weak. A moment later, he is strong and he is weak. You understand? The wisdom of this world, where it is taking humanity to. If God doesn't open our eyes. So how do we see life? Do we see it through the eyes of God? Or do we see life through the eyes of this world? And the worldly, whom God calls fools. God calls them fools. I didn't. The issue in life is that we don't ask hard questions. Hard questions. Listen to how Jesus or God addresses in Luke 12, the second one, verse 16 to 21. And he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. You can put it into your own context. Whether it is in studies or whether you are in your job, you are prospering, you are doing well. Bountifully. And he thought within himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? What shall I do? I have no place to keep all my certificates. Let me buy one more cupboard. Let me start one more FD. Let me invest in some more stocks. You can put it in your own terms. Verse 18. He said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns, build greater, then I will store all my crops, my goods, and I will say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. What does God say in verse 20 and 21? But God said to him, fool, but to all his peers, he was wise, 
He was rich. He was mighty. What did God say? Fool. This night, what is required? Your soul. Your soul is required. Then who's will all these things which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You were not rich towards You did not spend buying the things of God. That's why I want to be very, very carefully with young people. You need to study. But don't understand. Don't ever think what you study and you learn is the wisdom of God. The wisdom in the world and the wisdom of God are absolutely two different things. And understand how we saw that on Sunday too in Romans 1, 20 to 23. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became what? Futile in their thoughts. If you don't know God, your thinking is warped. Though you may think you are the wise, smartest man around, God says your thinking is futile. Your hearts are darkened. And what does verse 22 say? Yes. Professing to be wise, they actually became fools. That's the actual reality. On world, you are called wise. In the kingdom of God, how does it see? He's a fool. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like incorruptible man, birds, four-footed animals and creeping things. Let's stop over there. Did you see it is God himself? It's God who hands them over. It's God who gives that to happen to their minds. Because if God doesn't open my mind and your mind, we will not understand what true understanding and truth and wisdom is. And we will think we are wise when we are fools. And how do you know you are becoming a fool? Question is, we start worshipping the creature instead of the creator. Worshipping the creature. You know, most people, Christians, they worship their phones more than they worship the word of God. They worship their clothes more than they worship God. They worship a lot of created things, including themselves. Because the first thought in their mind and the last thought in their mind is not about God, it is about self. So what are you worshipping? The creator. That's why Jesus told the people, don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry because you don't even realize worry is a sin because worry is connected to do with you and not to do with God. He says, by worrying, you cannot even change. Still you worry. Why? Because the center of your universe is you and not God. Not God. And we don't realize worrying is an act of worshipping of the creator and not the creator. Do we worship the creature? Do we worship created things? Or do we worship the one who created. Look at what Isaiah puts along. Today I want to read verses from the Bible like Ezra did centuries ago. Yeah, let's have Isaiah. Okay, quickly. Listen to what Isaiah reads, okay? Those who make an image, all of them are useless. Whatever your image is. If it's, it may be your WhatsApp profile or your Facebook image, I don't care. It's 
useless. Because ultimately that day you will realize what your real image is. And God says the first shall be the last and many shall be ashamed. Your glory will be revealed. All those images. And their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or a mold and image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed and the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. The blacksmith with tongs works one in the coal, fashions with hammers, works it with strength of his arms. Even so he is hungry. His strength fails. He drinks no water and he is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule. He marks one with the chalk. He fashions it with a plane. He marks it out with a compass. Makes it like the figure of a man. According to the beauty of a man, it may remain in the house. We are talking about idols, but look at it in a larger scale. Okay, Japan may boast about the greatest engineering marvels. One tsunami comes, all is gone. All is gone. One earthquake comes, all is gone. Florida is preparing for the next hurricane. They're all shutting down and get, get, getting into bunkers because the next hurricane. God says, you worshipped all these things, right? You gloried about all these things, right? This are the works of your hand. This is what you broke your head about. But when I gave you this, you did not have the time to spend on this. To look at it and say, Lord, I'm willing to buy this. I'm willing to pay a price for this to know you. He said, no. You worshipped and you created and you built all these things. And then he cuts down cedars for himself, takes a cypress and ox, secures for himself among the trees of the forest, plants a pine, the rain nourishes it. And then, then it shall be for a man to burn. He will take some of it, warm himself, kindles it, bakes bread. Indeed he makes a god, worships it, and he makes a carb image and falls down to it. He says he takes the same wood with one piece, he makes an image, bows before the rest, he cooks his dinner. And when he is doing that, he does not realize God has handed him over to a futile mind. It's judgment. Judgment. You don't see it. He burns half of it in the fire with the half he eats meat. He roasts the roast, satisfied, even warms himself, says, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And then the rest of it he makes into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, deliver me if you are my god. They do not know nor understand, for he has shut their eyes. Shut their eyes. So they cannot see and their hearts so they cannot understand. If God shuts my eyes and your eyes and shuts our heart, we will not see, we will not understand. We are not talking about pagans here. We are talking about Christians here. Forget them. We are not talking about, we are talking about one billion plus of people who call themselves Christians. Worship an idol called Mary because God has handed them over to the futility of their thinking. And she has no power to save, no power to hear their prayers, and cannot give them salvation. God hands them over. Hands them over. And parents do the same thing. They don't realize they worship studies. You need to study hard, but you don't worship. What does scripture say? 19 and 20. And no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. I have also baked. 
He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside and he cannot deliver his soul. That's the problem. That's what God asked the rich man. What about your soul? Did you think about your soul? Did you think about your soul? That's why the key to understanding this book is called the word of God. It is called truth. Jesus said, my word is truth. It is called light. Your word is a light unto my path. It is called life. Jesus said, my words are life. But if it is not unlocked, I and you are blocked for life and from life. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 14. He said, narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are very few. It's not that it cannot be found. There are very few who are willing to pay the price. Willing to pay the price. Do we understand? Yeah. If anyone decides to come after me. Now the objective reality we have of God is this. You cannot go after God without going after this. If you try to find God outside of this, you're going to get fooled. You're going to get fooled. You're going to get deceived. Anyone who comes after me, let him deny himself. Be willing to pay the price. Take up his cross daily and follow me. We, we looked at it so much. Why? What is the problem with the cross? Because the cross is death to the wisdom of the world. Death is the death. Cross is the death to self. My own ideas about what truth is. I have to die to my ideas and I have to die to the ideas of the world. In Galatians 6.14, this is how Paul says. Paul says, God forbid that I should both except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified. The world means what? People? No. It's the way the world thinks. The wisdom of the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I don't want to think like the world and I will not allow the world to think. Thinking to get into my mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 to 21, this is what he says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That is the key. You see, thing is that, you know, unless we have objective reality to check with. How do I check whether I am perishing or living spiritually? I check my reaction, my interest to this. The simple way. Because the message of the cross is death to the world, the wisdom of the world, the prosperity of the world, the riches of the world, the might of the world, the strength of the world, and find it in Christ. And if that does not appeal to me, that, what does that mean? I can sit in the church all the days of my life, but I'm perishing. I am perishing. Because that message is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, not that any one of us has finished our walk, but we love it because that is the power of God. We understand it. We understand it. And the first thing when we get up in the morning, we realize this is life. The last thing when we go to bed, we realize even when we are falling asleep in our mind, what is going around? It is God and his word because that's life for us. Because whatever we are thinking about, it is concerning life. 
Right? Whatever you are thinking about is your life. If tomorrow you have exam and you are terrible in Telugu and you are thinking about that's your life. That's your reality. But Jesus said, my word is life. I am your life. Yet take a young boy or a young girl. Tomorrow is exam, but today your boyfriend called you. You will be still thinking about your boyfriend. You don't think about your about your exam. Why? He is your life. You don't realize. Objectively, you can find out who is your life. What is your life? And you will see in every episode, the Holy Spirit through different writers, primarily through Paul, crying this out so that we don't become like that fool. On that day, at least he got a warning. You fool, don't you know you are dying tonight? He said, oh Lord, have mercy. Who got saved, got on to the other side with nothing. At least he gets saved. Because God gave him a warning. The other rich man in Lazarus, he did not get a warning also. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, the Messiah, brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk so you have us for a pattern. He's saying, please, church in Philippi and all the brethren, look for people and follow them. Look at them and see this. Are they following the world, the crowd, or are they following Christ? Is Christ so preeminent in their life? Is his word on which they meditate? Is the word that they speak about? Is the word that follow them and don't follow the others? And for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are who? Enemies of the cross of Christ. Because the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They don't want to hear about anything about the the word and God and the coming kingdom. They want to hear about the wisdom of the world. Because the word of God is supernatural stuff. It exceeds all the wisdom of men like light exceeds darkness. And unless God unlocks it, We are stuck. And not that he gives you one key and you open it for the rest of your life. It is a process. But he unlocks. And if he's not unlocking it for us, we should be panicking, honestly. That's why scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Look at what the the word talks about the word. Psalm 19 and verse 7 to 11. Like I said, I want to read a lot of scripture today. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting what? The soul. Not the body. The soul. What did Jesus tell that for man? man? You fool. Didn't you think about your soul? If you had thought about the soul, you would have meditated upon my word. Converting the testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the? The simple will be made wise and the wise will be made simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. My simple litmus test question is, when we read these things, does this feel like that? Feel like that? Does it feel like that? Verse 10, 9 and 10? Yes. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. 
The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, more than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Look at the two comparisons. What is everybody working for? Gold. That's why even when money comes down, they buy gold. Ultimately, everybody is working for what? Gold. What is what is the note you get in your hand? What does it say? It's not money. It's a promissory note. I promise to pay the bearer of this note a sum of 500 rupees. That's a promissory note. Meaning, if you take it to the Reserve Bank, they are supposed to give you 500 rupees worth of gold. That's what it means. So, what is everybody working for? What are you all studying for? One day to make? Good. See, very true. Good. What the scripture says, more to be desired are they than God. God is simply saying, the way you study, the way you put your heart in your work, do you show that kind of, I'm not talking the hours. I'm not talking about the hours. You don't have the hours. We have the hours. You don't. He's saying, do you put the same heart? People always confuse this with time. It's not the time, it's the heart. Do you put the same kind of heart what you put into other things? Do you? The sweeter also than honey, than the honey. He says when you do it, you will realize how sweet the word of God is. Let's look at another verse, Psalm 119, verse 98 to 100. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. David is always surrounded by enemies. Yet no enemy could ever defeat him. He always overcame his enemies. Why? Because of your word, he says. You gave me more wisdom that I could always win over my enemies. Than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. He says, I have all these counselors. All these wise, 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 wise men. Including Ahitophel who acts. Speaks with the counsel of God. Yet, I have more understanding than him. That when he went over to the other side and was plotting over him, I knew you the way he did not know you. So I said, Lord, turn his counsel into foolishness and you answered him and he is dead. You know what, God, he's talking about? For your testimonies are my meditation. I know you. I know you. I understand how you, how you work. And verse 100 I understand more than the ancients. Why? Because I keep your precepts. And he's a simple shepherd boy who never went to college. Yet he's saying, I understand more than the ancients who have gone before me. Simply because I put my life on this. And I prove to you every day, this is my bread and butter. My heart is in this. I will do all the other things. But if you ask me where my heart is, it is on this. And God is looking for people. And in verse 130 of the same psalm, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Isaiah 820. Isaiah. The law and the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. You know what God is saying? Any of your suggestions, your ideas, the decisions you make, if they don't agree with the word of God, it's because there is no light in us. As it goes further, it gets more and more tough. First Corinthians chapter 2. 
they give it However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. I'm not talking about the wisdom of this age. Nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. See, we are pursuing with all our energy to get something which is going to become nothing. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm saying guard your heart how you do it. What we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, a hidden wisdom which God ordained before ages for our glory. The wisdom of God is a mystery and it is hidden. That's why I said unless he unlocks it, we will never, I will never know, you will never know. We will never know. It is hidden. It's a mystery. God hasn't it open to everybody and he has never done it to everybody. The majority of people born on earth or in the church have gone through life without understanding what it is. Simply because God looks at the heart and says, I'm not important to you. Why should I show you important things? You go through with the wisdom of the world. And then, which none of the rulers of this age knew for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Let me ask you this question. Paul, forgetting everything including his death, pursued something which you know was real. Why? Because God opened his eyes and God opened his heart and ears to that. You know, we pursue something which is our reality. What we don't see, we don't pursue. What we don't see, we don't. Parents don't tell children to become something which they don't know about. Right? They put that dream in and say, pursue, pursue, pursue. Because if you haven't seen, they have seen. A little older, you change your career because you see something which you want to pursue. You don't know why we pursue God? Why we don't pursue God? Because we haven't seen. It is hidden. I has not seen, no ear heard, nor entered in the heart of man what God is preparing for those who Love him, not whom he loves, but those who love him. And next verse. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Sure that it is hidden. People think this is hidden only when I die. God says, no, it is not hidden. It is revealed. You can know. But once you see it and once you know it, your life will never be the same again. Absolutely never be the same again. Once you caught that vision, it will never be the same again. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Do you see? The wisdom of the world as opposed to God's wisdom. You see how it's so completely different? This Bible, this word which you hold in our hand was also written supernaturally to only Reveal truth to those who approach with reverent fear. Otherwise, it's a locked book. 
That's why scripture says in Isaiah 66 verse 1 and 2, it's actually talking about the revelation. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my... He says, I, I will reveal myself to him. One who tremples at my word, he says, he or she, when he or she studies the word, I will reveal myself to It's not a locked book for them. It's not a locked book. That's where the fear of the Lord comes. We will approach God and his word with that reverence. And that is seen in the privacy of our own homes, in our own closets. God knows how we are approaching his word. Here in the church, we can all approach with reverence. But that is not what is true, how we approach the word of God. In Matthew 13, verses 10 to 17, this is what Jesus said. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. Did you see? The mysteries of the kingdom of God is given, not to everybody. It's not given to everybody. And then, verse 12, For whoever has to him, more will be given. He says, on the other hand, just because you got a revelation, don't think that's it. If you don't continue in that, what you had also will be taken away from you. On the other hand, you continue pursuing God, you will know God more and more and more. He says, it is not a one-time event, it's a lifetime event. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. I mean, Lord Jesus, aren't you nasty? You came to give us life and you speak in a language which nobody understands. Think about it. The most compassionate, loving, kind, merciful person who walked on Israel spoke to them in parables so they would not understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. The ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. So that should heal them. What is he trying to say? He says every preaching of the word of God is a fulfilling of a prophecy. Either you are being healed or you are being closed. That's what scripture means. My word will never go void. It will always achieve the purpose. You may have a meeting. You have 10,000 people coming. A man with a full anointing coming with a healing meeting. And nobody gets healed. And he will say, Lord, the word of God went void. He said, no, it didn't void. It was fulfilled. Today's word was to prove that nobody had the faith to be healed. As I said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? His word never fails. It never goes void. And the whole idea is that, Lord, let me not fulfill negative prophecy. Let it be true in your life, in my life, what your word is positive about me. God intended it for the simple who trust in him. Matthew 11, verses 25 and 27, this is what he says. Yes. At that time, Jesus answered and said, Lord, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babies. Look at that. You have hidden it from the wise. Reveal it to the babies. In John chapter 4, 
God hides it from Nicodemus. John chapter 5, he opens it to the Samaritan woman, what worship is. Look at that. Nicodemus goes, comes and goes in the dark without understanding anything. Jesus and the Samaritan woman is sitting and she's probably never gone to school. She's not even a Jew. She doesn't probably have the entire law. Yet because she is simple and receives the word, he speaks with a trembling heart, God opens up scripture for her. That's what he's talking about. See, we think more hard work and more study and God says, it is not that all that will not open. It's a simple attitude of the heart that opens up the eyes. Those who approach it with pride and the confidence of our own will be destroyed by it. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 21. What does he say? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And then, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the distributor of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Wisdom of this world. You see, somebody was saying, you know, a, a guy who is not very sure what happened 200 years ago will say the origin of the universe is 14 billion years ago. You are not even sure what happened 10 years ago. Yet we are willing to believe a lie and accept it as truth and build our entire lives on that. Because most Christians live as if the world is not going to end. That's the lie they have swallowed. It's not going to end. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. You see, only the message of the cross saves people. Everything else keeps you complacent. And yet people struggle with the message of the cross because nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to live. Yet Jesus says, unless you die, you will not Love. You will not love. Let's go to Proverbs 30 and verse 5. The next one I gave you. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Why I am giving it to you is that this is what God's word says about it. Therefore, it is true. The question is, is it true for you and me? Do you believe every word of God is pure? Do I believe that the word of God is a shield to those who put their trust? What did Jesus say in Luke 4, 4? Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Why is our generation going to be the most drastically judged generation is because our generation has access to this like no other generation. No other generation. We have written, audio, phones, different, multiple versions, MP3, you name it all. Name it all. We have access to it. 
And we have more time than anybody else because we have all these facilities and inventions which was never there before. Electricity, fan, rooms, you can work in day and night. When I grew up in that mountainous country when I was small, six o'clock everybody went to sleep. Six, seven, seven, everybody went to sleep because there was no electricity. And you woke up early in the morning when the sun rose and you went to bed in an hour after sun went down. But today people work at night. Meaning you have stretched time. Stretched. That's why scripture is saying, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because scripture is, scripture warns us, scripture never leaves us without warning. That's why scripture says, no word or words should be neglected or rejected. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17, scripture says, All scripture, not some scripture, or the scripture which I like, all scripture, is given by inspiration of God, or God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, remember instruction, correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good of, man of God is not the pastor, the man of God, woman of God is every child of God. And Romans 15, 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That through the patience and the comfort of scriptures we might have hope. Where does our hope come from? Let me ask you the question. If Jesus were to come today, where does your hope come? We will go with him. If Jesus were to take you, where does our hope come? We will get a crown. Would you be able to say from scripture? This is where my hope comes from. This is written. This I kept. This is written. I made correction. This is written. I put that away. This is written. I put that away. This is written. I kept that. This is where my hope comes from. I'm not talking about knowing the whole scripture, but I'm saying being on the road. And you know whether you are on the road or not. Whichever road one is on. Because it is possible to read it, learn it, memorize it, and not know it. That was Jesus' issue of the theologians of his age, who knew the entire Old Testament by heart. I'll give you three more verses and we will stop. You know what? He kept telling them in Matthew 9, 13. Listen. But go and learn what this means. See, these are guys who teach these verses and he tells them, go and learn what this means. You're scholars. You got a PhD in the Bible. But you still do not know what this verse means. Do you, do you get it? And if God doesn't show me what scripture means, I could get a DD in it and yet not know what it means. Unlike any other book in the, in the world. Go learn what this means. We're not looking at the rest of the scripture. He's talking about go learn. And he's not talking to ordinary people. He's talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the theologians. Go learn what this means. In Matthew 12, 7. If you had known what this means. If you had known what this, you memorized it, you you confessed this in your synagogue every day, you recited, but you did not know what it means. Because to understand, God has to open our eyes, otherwise we don't understand. You see? 
Our scripture is locked with one key, which is called fear God. Fear God. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken. No, no, no. He's a young dude. He's a 30 year old young man. Never went to a rabbinical school. Never was taught by any of these great rabbis. Paul could at least say Gamaliel was his teacher. That's why God took him out three years, took all his instruction out and gave him from God. You are mistaken. Can you imagine? All theologians sitting and they know the Bible by heart and he's saying you are mistaken. Not knowing scriptures. You don't know scripture. Can you imagine how Pastor Vijay will say, you don't know maths. You don't know computer science. See, when somebody touches you in the area you know, it hurts, right? Jesus is telling the theologians, you don't know? Scriptures. You don't know scriptures. And these are the people who actually, they thought new scriptures. It is locked. Don't take this lightly. Like I said, take that first step, one step, first step, serious. Go back tonight. Go back, say, Lord, I heard the truth and it is true about me. I'm not serious about this. And I'm sorry. Sorry. Give me the desire for your word. Because your word is truth. Because your word says, If I do not receive the love for your truth, you will hand me over to the delusion that I will believe in a lie and be part of the Antichrist program and not Christ program on earth. You have said it. Therefore, Lord, the way I protect myself from the Antichrist is by receiving the love of truth. And your word is truth. You start in small ways, little, little ways. And you will realize it never finishes. All your life, you will be pursuing this. And things starts falling in your mind, in your soul. Things may be losing out in this world. It didn't matter. See, Lazarus was sitting outside the gate. Everything, he had no family. Probably, I don't know whether he had a wife. He left him, no children. He had no money. He had no food. He had to eat crumbs. He had swords from head to foot. Dogs licked him. Soul was fine. Soul was fine. Outwardly, you looked at him. You looked at him with so much pity. But inside, he was fine. Only when death came in, people realized the man everybody thought was fine was gone. The man everybody thought was gone was fine. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we are talking about. And that is something which you will know inside. Am I on the road? Right? Now when we all finish now, we go back home, you will know whether you are going back home or not because you are on the road. And if your driver takes the wrong turning because you know the destination and the road, you will say, no, this is not the road. The question is, do you know which road you are in? Because Jesus said, I am the, I am the way. You know what the believers were called in the book of Acts in the beginning for centuries, what they were called? Not Christians, whatever. People of the way. That's what they were called. It's written in the Bible. What were they called? People of the way. Because Jesus said, I am a way. I am a way. The world has many ways. Jesus said, I am the way. And if you are on the way, 
You will know if you are on the way. It's not hidden from our eyes. And if you are not on the way, you still know if you are not on the way. And if you are not on the way, if you are stuck in the way, and your vehicle hasn't moved for a long time, you still know you have been stuck there for a long time. Put right things. This is the tenth month, and today is the tenth day. Right? It's tenth, right? Ten, ten. Eleven? Ten, ten. I have said, you're one day ahead of God also. Okay. Ten, ten. Tenth day of the tenth month. Let's put things right with God. Otherwise, when things all happen, we will be shaken. We'll be shaken. Our assurance come from this. I know what I have believed. I know in whom I have believed. Shall we stand? Father, we just come to you this evening. We just thank you, Father. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. I pray, Father, the word of God will continue to burn within us. The desire for you and your word, O Lord, will continue to work within us, O Lord. Because what we have of you, the objective reality of you in our life, in our hands, is your written word. If we claim we love you and we don't love your word, we are just lying to ourselves. I pray, Father, all of us create in us the desire for your word, for your truth. Because you said, if you abide in my word, the word will set you free. Help us, Lord. As we leave, I pray your presence be with us. and Take us all home safely, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.